Hello and welcome to Varvel Football Podcast May edition, sort of crossover with June as well. Busy, busy, busy month for the website, busy, busy month for me, busy, busy month for Harold Roy. How are you doing, Harry? Doing all right. Just wrapped up my uni degree about a couple of hours ago, so I thought, what better way to yeah. cap off finishing three years of university than jump on a podcast with Johnny Bentley. Yeah. He looks like he's just fresh from finishing school. Do you want to elaborate a bit more on that? Yeah, well, I was, you know, I was having a very important discussion today, just talking about all things journalism. Uh, I mean, if I did walk down the street, you probably would assume that I was rocking the, this new hairstyle, this new suit as a year 11, just about to graduate, such as the five foot five height. It's not very, um, you know, it's not very, it's very distinguishable, sorry, not very distinguishable with, with high school children. However, if they were to have a discussion with me, they'd say, oh, what a rather articulate high school child this boy is. You know, with his, this is with a football his, podcast, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it started like the last one, and you did bring that up. And I do look like a high school child a little bit, but I have got a wonderfully wonderful beard, wonderful beard, a bit like you know Bernardo Silva's beard. I think it's a little bit like that, isn't it? I feel sorry for Bernardo Silva. He's been compared to you. Yeah, well, Harry we looks like Jack Grealish, don't you? When, but not Jack Grealish when he was like you know going you know going round the world and enjoying himself playing football, but the one that appeared on the on the social scene in Manchester. After about seven pints of vegetables, <laughs> very, very strong. Yeah, I was going to say, very, very... He seven plays pints. like Almiron. Seven pints for Harry, though, probably would get that effect, wouldn't he? But you'd be saying he <laughs> plays like Bruce, or he manages like Bruce, probably, would be, would be the thing. No love lost between Harry and Steve Bruce. Um, he came up with an interview, didn't he, actually, uh, earlier yeah. this week? Yeah. What did you think about that? Uh, I'm not going to, like, give my full comments, but it's just standard, really. He also said that... Eddie Howe's had more money to spend when Bruce had like 30 or 40 million more during his time. But, you know, could be a topic for another podcast. If you go over to the Time War podcast, the next episode will be digressing that Steve Bruce interview with the 442 magazine because he loves bringing up Newcastle despite yeah. leaving and now managing a team in the championship. But, yeah. you know, yeah. just another day. But <laughs> obviously on the on the, on the the actual topical front, May brought to an end a very... Uh, impactful Premier League season, lots of different things going on, the top, the bottom, even in between. Uh, so we'll be looking at that a little bit, but also given that it's been almost a week since then, and given that this will probably go out and for most of the time be after what listened to after the Champions League by most of you, we won't spend too long uh, dissecting necessarily a preview for the Champions League, but maybe looking ahead to what might what teams might be looking like next season, what we would expect to happen over uh, the rest of the year as opposed to the ref, which will be the start of next season, going into the Qatar World Cup. Bit of Nations League as well coming up. Harry was very excited about that beforehand, um, <laughs> which I suppose is like a pre-season for the World Cup in a way uh, in Qatar at Christmas. But we'll go back to the Premier League. We'll have a quick we'll have a quick scan back. Main talking points. It was a you know Manchester City doing a Manchester City, I suppose, in 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 the very best possible sense, like trying to replicate the Aguero moment of 12-13. But this time it was Gundogan in three goals in five or approximately five minutes. Uh, they were 2-0 down to Aston Villa. It was written in the stars. Liverpool was suddenly going to be on for a quadruple uh, at that time. And then City doing an unbelievable job. I suppose so it's weird with Guardiola. Sometimes, you know, for all the wonderful stuff they play, you think, I mean, this is the fourth, this is the fourth title, I believe, in five seasons. So it's remarkable. But... Sort of encapsulated it, didn't it? In some of those big games, particularly the Champions League, not quite done it. But of course, domestically, Harry, I mean, that five-minute spell just showed why they won four titles in in five seasons. Because when the going looked like it was getting tough, bam, in a blink of an eye, the three to ahead. Maybe different in the Champions League, but in the Premier League, they're pretty much unrivaled. Yeah, it was. It, I wouldn't say it was typical City because I think going into that game, we all thought that they'd probably just breeze Vero's side 3-4-0, be a massive mm. climax on the final day and they'd just run away to the title. But when they were 2-0 down, even at 1-0, they never looked like they were going to score. And it was you felt like looking at it going, is this just going to be another day for Man City where they don't find the net? Mm. And I think everybody wrote them off to to an extent. I mean, obviously some mm. of the fans won't have, but um, I had a shocker as well mm. on the final day. So a few of us were down in London. We managed to find a pub on the final day. We're like, great, Premier League on, fantastic. We're like, We'll start with Man City, you know, then 1-0 down, we'll go, right, OK, keep tabs on Liverpool, it was it was still a draw. It went to 2-0 Villa, I think 70 minutes, Liverpool were drawn. We went, right, let's switch over to Liverpool. We switched over to Liverpool, missed all three Man City goals, and then switched back, and then actually didn't even see Salah's goal to put them in front. 
So we're, it, it was just a, a colossal mess from us, from an executive point of view, but it just shows how never, ever write off Manchester City and Pep Guardiola because they always find a way, definitely not in the Champions League, but certainly in the Premier League. And yeah, it, it encapsulated just how fantastic they are as a as a football team and a, and a thoroughly deserved Premier League title. But commiserations to Liverpool when you think of it, 93 points not being enough to win a league title, it's, it, mm. it's, it's truly incredible. And you think in you know, the days before Royal Clubs, how dominant would this Liverpool side actually be? So no, tough for Jurgen Klopp, but I still yeah. don't think he should have been manager of the year. But I'm sure we'll get on to that. Well, yeah, actually, I suppose we can now. I mean, Pep Guardiola, for me, probably, I mean, it's usually the title winner, isn't it? And some of the football Manchester City have played this season has been phenomenal and they've won the league. Uh, and they actually won it in the most dramatic way possible. Again, as I say, echoing that Aguero moment almost at 12-13. Probably not quite that dramatic, but it had some elements of it uh, with the comeback and the, and, the, and the drama of all that at the Etihad. Um, but yeah, I, I did find that a bit perplexing, mainly because it's the Premier League manager of the year, not the manager of the year in England. If, I mean, you could, I don't think Klopp was an was an unjust choice at all because what he's built with Liverpool, I'd say almost organically as opposed to City. What I mean by that is, the, when you talk about organic marketing, you talk about building over time and, and, and steadily building growth as opposed to just throwing all the money in and making a quick result like that. And I think he has built Liverpool organically in a way to get them to a point that this season, particularly since the turn of the year, they've been fantastic, really, uh, fighting on all of these fronts. So I think it wasn't an unjust choice by any means, but you just think that because it was solely the Premier League, you just think, well, number one, I'd probably go Klopp. Number two, I'd probably go um, probably Thomas Frank. And then maybe number three, you could argue Antonio Conte for, what, for the job he's done. Are yeah. you forgetting a certain <laughs> manager? Yeah. And number four, certainly maybe Moyes has done a very good job, certainly at West Ham, hasn't he? Number five, you may be looking at... I'm only joking. I was, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to sort of dangle the carrot and then take it away <laughs> um, so much. But no, I mean, there were, I mean, obviously Eddie Howe's done a very good job as well. There were many, there were many people in the league. I mean, Conte and, the Conte and Howe job for me, it's almost very similar, I believe. Ninth for Tottenham to go to fourth is remarkable. Of course, what Eddie Howe did as well with Newcastle, who were the basement boys and to take them where he did um, with a small loan of £100 million is really, really, um, he, 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 he smokes. And to be fair, no, I, you know, look, I, I actually do think that one thing that's been so impressive about Eddie Howe is that he got Newcastle playing very well in the style before those signings even came into fruition. Uh, although Bruno Guimaraes looks a very, very, very top-end player and has helped. Um, to to maintain that form, the initial form wasn't with these players playing, and he sort of integrated them in slowly. Of course, Trippier's been out for a while as well, so yeah, absolutely within a shout. Frank as well for what he's done at, at Brentford, and Conte for me, not even to be nominated was crazy. Um, but I'd probably give it to Guardiola for the reason that usually the champions get it, and they it, they've been fair champions. Yeah, I think the the manager of the year award Premier League, it's either go, go to the title winner or the manager who's overachieved the most. And I think Jurgen Klopp absolutely thoroughly deserved the LMA manager of the year award, yes, considering he yes. was fighting on all fronts. And but look, the Premier League is a Premier League competition, and Jurgen Klopp's objective. I know a lot of people, including myself, said I I think they'd finish third or fourth this season. I thought that, yeah. But th- his objective going into the new season with Van Dijk back, everyone firing on all cylinders, is to win the Premier League title, and he he failed on that front ultimately. Um, so for me, I think yeah, Pep's uh, would have been a would have been a, a sound winner to be fair. But I think Klopp for me didn't really deserve it. But Eddie Howe, obviously, look, I'm going to say this rose tinted glasses, but Eddie Howe thoroughly deserved Manager of the Year for the for the job he's done. I know people will harp on about the money, and I do sound like a broken record, but ultimately he's he's improved pretty much every single existing squad player in that team. And you know we're going into the new season now, and yes, Has I he do think he Well, yeah, it's it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one really with St. Maxman because he's actually had his best season in terms of output, in terms of goals and assists. But under Bruce, it was essentially kick the ball to Maxi, he does everything and scores. Whereas <laughs> under Eddie Howe, like I think I said when he first came in, he would have his wings clipped, which he ultimately has, but he will be a better player in the long run. And yes, he's not had the best ends of the season, but quite a lot of the fan base actually want rid of him, which I think is crazy, but he will be staying. I do think he will improve as this squad gets better, because I think what we've seen under Howe this season is he's demanded maximum effort from these players. And that is, you know, the forward players getting back and getting stuck in defensively. St. Maximan's not going to do that. Mm. If he ain't willing to put in the dirty work, then, you know, the fans aren't going to like that. But, he, he, you know, you don't see Salah 
tracking back and defending mm-hmm. the year. So mm-hmm. I think it's the same situation for St Maxwell, but he's probably one of the only players that's that's not gone on leaps and bounds. But I do think next season we're going to see an, an entirely better player. Uh, but yeah, the manager of the year debate, um, an interesting one. But I think even the Young Player of the Year and Player of the Year awards were insane. How the, yeah. on earth Mo Salah did not win Player of the Year? He got the most goals and most assists. Yeah. It just shows that if you peak at the last two months of the season, you're going to win. Yeah. Sad thing is, that's also true with the British public in a general election, isn't it? That's what we're saying. You're vegan, let's be. Majority incoming. Yeah, no, honestly, honestly, but all Boris Johnson needs to do is get his, you know, union jacks out, run down the street, make everyone laugh, and they'll go party gate, cost of living. He's got funny hair. We'll vote for him. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's sort of a microcosm of the wider British public for sure. I can't believe that Mo Salah didn't win. Uh, young player of the year as well. Yeah, it was. It should have been either Trent Alexander-Arnold or Declan Rice. I'd have probably gone for Declan Rice, but I mean either of those. Even for Kyle Saka, to be fair. Yeah, contention for that one. Yeah, and Phil Foden's a very, very, very good footballer, really good to watch. But I, I do worry that often with the media, they seem to have media darlings, and he's this very sort of likable young guy, quite understated off the pitch. You know, he's got a, he's got a family, young family now, and he just you know wants to be just a wants to just let football do the talking. Everything about him is fairly likable. But I do get the sense that there is a there is a sense of overhyping with it. You know, I do I do. I know he, and he's a very good player, so I, I do say sort of with a bit of caution, but I just think when you're in that Manchester City team that's been developed by Pep Guardiola, a wonderful system, some players can look a little bit better than maybe they are. And I'd wonder what Phil Foden would look like at Manchester United. I, 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 don't, I don't think he'd necessarily stand out, personally. No. If you, and whereas someone like Kevin De Bruyne, you could see performing brilliantly now well in a lot of different teams, taking the game by the scruff of the neck if you're making the main man. I don't know if Phil Foden's necessarily that or he's a product of a very, very, very good Manchester City Pep Guardiola system. Um, you know, so so obviously a very good player, but perhaps a little bit um, leaning on that, on the brilliance of Guardiola for me. Don't know what you think about that at all. Maybe, maybe harsh. Same comments, really, to be fair. I think that Foden's obviously an outstanding footballer. And look, I don't think anyone can begrudge him of winning the Young Player of the Year award. But I just think there was more deserving players. But when you consider Foden's in a team of absolute superstars, the fact he's even getting recognised for these awards just is a testament, really, to how good of a player he is, really. And when you you look in terms of, of England looking forward, I mean, to have these young players and We've got a fantastic chance at, at, at not just the, the tournament coming up, but the ones to follow after that with the likes of Ford and Saka and even Jude Bellingham, 18 years of age. And he's, <laughs> I think it won't be long until we see him in the Premier League. I think you'll agree on that front. Maybe, yeah. Um, I do think I do think sometimes that Dortmund's a wonderful uh, stepping stone for anyone. And you should you, you should never be rushing to leave Borussia Dortmund, I don't think, because you, you're guaranteed Champions League football. You're guaranteed to play in a team that wants to play progressive football. Wonderful fan base, brilliant stadium. Uh, and then, you know, you see many you see many leave, actually, to come to England. And it's, they just don't find the same. I'm not saying Jude Bellingham won't, because, you know, he looks like a fantastic, talented player. But, you know, many, many amazing players for Dortmund have left. And gone on to do very little, so I, th- I think he shouldn't. Well, he should Sancho's a slow start, hasn't he? Sancho, I mean, I going, you, going I back over the years, start, I thought that to be fair. I did think you'd have a slow start. I wasn't expecting to hit the ground running yeah. straight away, but I think Go, it's so difficult to thrive in that Man United team. Going back over the years, though, Kagawa, uh, brilliant at Dortmund, not great at Man United. Andre Schürrle, solid, at, solid in the Bundesliga first and foremost. Went to Dortmund later on, then they did okay, not, not brilliant. It's a tough transition, the Bundesliga mm. to the Premier League. Like I, yeah. I saw a thing that they obviously Christopher and Kunku is probably one of the most coveted players coming into this transfer window, and I, I think yeah. if he's going to leave the Bundesliga, he's going to come to the Premier League for probably 80, 90 million pound, similar mm. sort of money to Kai Havertz, who was another player that took mm. a while to. Mm. to finally get up to, to, to speed. But I do think it's a really, really tough transition. Yeah. Speaking of tough transitions and mm. players moving from the Bundesliga to the Premier League, a certain Erling Haaland yeah. has, has, has arrived at Manchester yeah. City. I mean, from a Premier League perspective, to get Erling Haaland in the Premier League and to steer him away from Barcelona and Real Madrid, mm. where he would have went in other years, even by Munich, you know, uh, from a, a top Bundesliga talent, how good is this for the Premier League to have a player of his quality, of his age, you know, 21, 22, to you know, see out the well, not see out the rest of his career, but we're going to see him in his best years in our division, something we've not been able to see for a long, long time. 
you're gonna wave your union jack now (laughs) (laughs) in our division not in the spaniards division (laughs) not in the spaniards division yeah um no um yeah i i mean i'm interested i I think everyone thinks he's going to go to city and score 30 goals and be a revelation straight away i don't yeah i i don't think there's a transition that needs to be done between Haaland and Manchester City. Well, first of all, the obvious, the Bundesliga to England. I think the way he is, I mean, physically is a colossus and he's very, very quick. I mean, they're two characteristics that thrive in the Premier League, strength and, and speed, and he's got them in abundance. My, th- my thinking is with Manchester City, and I've said this many, many, many times, probably since we've done this podcast on my old podcast, and I say it to anyone who will listen, really, that Manchester City with a false nine system works really well because they can control games, uh, to the maximum, really, because the false nine player drops back into midfield and they dominate midfield even more. It, it fluctuates, it different, it diff, it moves around. So you'll have Sterling playing up there. Sometimes they don't go out wide. You got Foden playing up there. You got Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Mares all playing up there, rotating almost in game, and it can change. Uh, you know, when Guardiola knows his starting lineup, it can, it can start with someone else there, and it changes all the time. It's fluid, um, and it and it helps them retain, maintain dominance over a game. I think they'll lose a bit of that with Erling Haaland because I think even though he's fantastic and he'll help them in other ways, I think he makes City more predictable, maybe in a good way. Uh, but I think he takes away a bit from the dominance. Like many people have said, Erling Haaland's a flat. He's a he's a brilliant striker, but he's not a necessarily. He's a bit of a throwback throwback striker in that he wants to be in the centre. He wants to score all the typical goals. Typical Premier League centre forward, isn't he? Really. Yeah, but, but the way the game's evolving in yeah. terms of Pep City, it's it's it's. The, when's the last time? I'm just thinking here. When's the last time had a Pep had a big number nine up top? Probably Levin. Was Lewandowski at Dortmund when he was there? There was there, there was uh, no 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 no. He signed Lewandowski because uh, it was Mandzukic prior to uh, yeah. Prior so it would have been back at the in the Bayern days. Yeah 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 yeah. So he was he was he was, he was Guardiola's man. Of course, remember the five goals against Wolfsburg. For yeah. Lewandowski, yeah. So he did, and obviously Aguero. Aguero was kind of a, an old-fashioned striker in the sense that not big, but he just wanted to score the goals. I think Guardiola mm-hmm. did mould him into a more modern striker, didn't he? One that tracked back, linked the play. But you could kind of do that with Aguero because he had he, he was kind of someone who could get assists and he was technically outstanding, wasn't he? I'm not saying Ireland isn't, but the way he was, the player he was. He, he, he had that in his locker. I think Haaland will have to adapt a little bit, or City will have to adapt to Haaland, one of the two. Um, I don't know if they'll get any more dominant than they are now in the league. No. I, so, I mean, like, how far, how far can they get, really? I mean, they're getting 94 oh. points now. I mean, how how many more points can they genuinely get? I would say that the, the most they'll get in the season is 100. Yeah, I mean, that's the record, isn't yeah. it? I don't think they'll get 100. I think they'll, they'll get less points next year. Because I don't think... Yeah, it's really interesting because he will benefit them in other ways. How will he benefit them in other ways when they create umpteen chances and they just want someone to finish it off? That's yeah. when he'll benefit them. It, it depends how he's going to play, though. It's it's yeah. it's all up in the air, really. I mean, look, Harlan's going to succeed. Yeah. And if he yeah. stays here, if he's at City for the rest of his career, chances are he'll break every single record on terms of goals. Yeah, yeah but Harry, another, another thing someone mentioned, when they were playing Real Madrid, they said, oh, Harlan would score that. But it wasn't the strikers getting the chances. It was people coming in from wide and they were having the chances. Mares and Foden. And they were sort of taking it in positions. You wouldn't have the striker finishing it up. It's it's like it's easier to say, oh, the striker would have scored it. If the guy who's playing false nines getting all the chances and missing, you're there, well, that's Haaland. But it's not the case, is it? Do you think Kane would have been a better fit for City then? (laughs) Probably. Yeah, yeah. Because Harry Kane already drops deep, links the play. Yeah, I think he would, but... Two things. One, Kane's more expensive. Two, he's a lot older. So, economic. But but then again, the wage structure. But then again, also, I, I, Harry Kane would also be on quite high wages at City as well. I mean, like. Haaland's on, he's on club record high alongside yeah. De Bruyne. De Bruyne, 350, 350 base, isn't it? Uh, but you'd imagine Kane would have been on nearly 300 if, if Kane had arrived, oh, wouldn't you? Yeah, or 350. To be honest, I mean, he could probably demand that sort of money. Even yeah. though it's insane. Yeah. But yeah, I do think Kane would have been a better fit, but I also do think that Haaland has the the years on him, and if they do sell him, they get they can they can make a lot of money from him. You know, if he has a buyout, I think he has a buyout clause, doesn't he? Of hundred and high hundred million pounds, euros. Uh, what a man see? I believe so. Yeah, there's a high buyout clause mm. installed in his contract. 
not too dissimilar, I think, uh, I was hearing, to the one Neymar had. So it's around similar numbers to that. So it's still it's still breakable, especially where mm. football's going. Aston Villa will probably break it next week. The way <laughs> Newcastle. Going Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. Not with uh, our wage structure. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, yeah, no, re- yeah, very interesting point to make the, the Kane comparison. Yeah, I think City will. I think it might help them in the Champions League, where they become, for example, against Real Madrid in that game, in that extra time period, where they were sort of lumping balls in at the end, and you thought, oh well, you know, they, they've they've kind of lost the the way they play. They've lost the heads a bit. But if they had a call and you could lump them in, and you could theoretically win that get a goal through that you can't now with it gives them a different be. dimension I yeah, think, as well which is massive bit. especially in those sort of games where like I think it was against Palace this season the nil-nil where they did everything but score on that match and it was just like all they had to do was knock that into the box and yeah. put hand on the end of it he'd win them win them yeah. that game but in terms of the points hole it's not going to make a, a yeah. massive difference they're still yeah. going to get somewhere between I would say 89 and 96 points and yeah. who realistically is going to catch them on that yeah Liverpool well, if they avoid injuries which is you know rare well, the thing I was just going to say, so it could be quite a big tran- a big switch, if you will, between those two teams. With Liverpool looking the strongest they've ever been, if Sadio Mane, as reports have believed, after the Champions League final, ends up moving to Bayern, one year left on his contract. I'm hearing reports of 40, 30 million euros, which would be an absolute steal, by the way. Um, and even with one year on his contract, I'd be tempted to make him. Yeah. If you're gonna I, that, I don't even I, think he's on big money either in terms of wages. No. I'm sure he's on about 115 grand a week, something like yeah, that, which yeah, is yeah. modest very, for a very, player of very his quality. Very precise, that, Harry, very precise. But, I actually read it today. <laughs> so. right, well, there you go. When you say you think, you're saying, yeah, well, yeah. But, yeah, no, I think it, it's... it's Yeah, if, if Mane leaves Liverpool, they're almost in the position where they were before Luis Diaz came in, that if Luis Diaz got injured or Salah got injured, who's coming in? And the is going as well. And, and, like, and then he goes down like Minamino. So, yeah. With Liverpool, though, they always buy very well. I think so, yeah. I mean, there's a few, isn't there? I mean, Rafinha at Leeds, you think, you think he would be quite a good sort of backup to those three. Because you'd imagine Jota becomes the, the false nine if, if Mane goes. He's had a, quite yeah. a good season, hasn't he? Um, and obvi- and you, but, but then Liverpool were very fortunate in the sense that he's had very, quite a good season, but they could put him on the bench when, when that front three was fit of Mane, Salah yeah. and Diaz. And that's what City can do. And that's what Liverpool got. And then I looked at that and thought, right, if they keep hold of them next year, I think Liverpool will win the league. I do, because Klopp has depth now. But then if Mane goes, you've got to find that same calibre of player to challenge I mean, he's won them so many games a season, Sadio Mane. It's probably yeah. arguably he's had probably one of his best seasons ever in Liverpool shirt. Well, when he first when he first came, he was very last good. season he was dire, but this yeah, year he he's really yeah. turned around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he has. I think it's really big. It's really big because obviously Haaland coming in for City, like we say, I don't think it proves that it proves the point hole, but it gives him a bit of a new dimension. Whether I still think, like I say, I still think whether he improves them as a team or not is really interesting because I still think they're a fantastic team. Just gives them a bit more prowess up top. But I would have, as I say, I would have backed, even with Haaland, I would have backed Liverpool for the title next year. But it really depends on what they do if Mane goes. If they replace Mane well... Big, that is a big call. Yeah, to, 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 yeah. So you think Liverpool, I mean, realistically, they've got the hit 97 points to win the league. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that. I think they are in the best position they've been since Klopp's taken over right now. This is the best they've been in. The best, as Trump would say. <laughs> They're absolutely fantastic. Beautiful. <laughs> but I do think that... Um, that the Mane thing's huge. If they replace him well, which they will, <laughs> which they possibly will, got another Luis Diaz, I think they'll win the league. It's a big call. I mean, I still think City. I mean, I just think that Liverpool this year have been pretty fortunate on the injury front. And like we've seen when they lost Van Dijk, not last season, season before, they no, straight but, top but, four. But, but Harry, 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 they lost Van Dijk, they lost Gomez, they lost Matip, they lost. But Fabinho, we've already seen with Alex Henderson. Dijk. Yeah, we've already Lassiano. seen without Van Dijk, they are uh, they are nowhere near the diff- like the beast they are with him in the side. No, 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 no. And to get and to attain ninety seven points, mm. he needs to be playing every single week. I, look, I think I think I think he makes Canate and Matip look better than they are, but uh, that doesn't mean Canate and Matip are bad centre backs. I think they're solid oh, no. centre backs. Look, if you were going into a game against I don't know Tottenham or Man City or Chelsea with Canate and Matip. Or one of the big boys like Real Madrid, you'd be worried. But if you were going into a game against one of the bottom half with Canate and Matic, you'd say, okay, we're probably oh, yeah. 
So that that's I think that's where, but in the big games it's where it stands out for sure, mm. and that's because of course Alexander Alder Robertson are bombing on like wing backs as fullbacks, and that mm. leaves big gaps up. And Van Dijk's just really good, yeah. and Allison by the way, yeah. super super goalkeeper. Uh, really actually interesting debate which which some had had before the Champions League final because you'll be listening to this probably after the Champions League final, know that, but. It, or you might not be. It depends when it goes out. But um, if depends you, how bored you are, really. <laughs> you stuck yeah, through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but chances are you'd be listening to it after anyway. Obviously, you'd be listening to it second and third time. But Courtois or, or Allison, the big debate: who was the better goalkeeper? Who, who would it be for you? Allison, all day. Yeah. Courtois a very good goalkeeper. Courtois is excellent, but for me, Allison. I mean, considering he keeps Edison out of the Brazil squad, yeah. and how unbelievable Edison is as a goalkeeper, that's just a testament to his quality. Well, Courtois is not Brazilian, is he? Alison is keeps Edison out. Yeah, no, 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 but you said, oh yeah, because he keeps tripping Edison. me up here, Johnny. You're no, intentionally. No, I'm not. I'm saying yeah, but I think I think one argument. I think it was Guillaume Balag say was saying um, Courtois, wasn't he? He was saying Courtois. He's a Spanish football expert, so yeah, he is. And I I I think I think the one place Alison excels is obviously distribution. I think Courtois is quite average. So well, I think it's okay. It's better than some, like it's better than David de Gea, for example. That's you know, as as far as big goalkeepers go, but uh, Allison's is very good at that. And then shot stopping, they're both fantastic, aren't they? Both command the box well. Big big USP for Courtois, how big he is. You know, if you're in a one on one with Courtois, a bit like Neuer, isn't he? That he just fills yeah. the goal. But yeah, I I don't know. It's interesting. I could I'd have either keeper to be fair, Harry. Um, Courtois keeps Mignolet out to the Belgian national team. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you Should we do it. a prediction for this game then? Because I think that's well, okay the then. Yeah. I think we, we've all we've all know how good these two teams are. Real Madrid have arguably had the one of the toughest runnings ever in Champions League history. Yeah. To be fair, this knockout stage. If they do go on to win it, it's arguably their most impressive Champions League title win I think ever. They'll win it. I'm going two one. You, you're gonna go for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two one. I think two one in extra time. Um, I think it's just the know-how or the fact that they got one over them the last time these two I, met in the final. I think it's the, I think it's the fact that in every round before this. They've played the big boys and they've found a way. They beat Man City, they found the way. They beat PSG, found the way. Um, they are, I mean, that's two, those two games, just those two games in particular. And Chelsea, obviously, as well. Che- yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea reigning champions in Europe. So those three games, as hard as it gets for a team, I think, coming to the Champions League. Liverpool's had it easier, no doubt, in terms of the games that they've had. Real Madrid have found a way each time. Benzema's in the form of his life. Um Vinicius as well, very, very, very strong season for him. And then in the midfield, you've got, well, I think Real Madrid's midfield still arguably as good as anything in the world. Casemiro, Kroos, Modric, bring Valverde and Camavinga on. Great, great stuff. And solid at the back as well. Militao's had a good season. Alaba's, what a signing on a free transfer. Courtois, we just mentioned. Uh, Ferland Mendy as well. Carvajal on the other side. This is a very experienced team with flashes of youth, which is brilliant. Uh, and I, I, I think they'll get it done too, one. Benzema to school. I'm still unsure sitting here now which way this is going to go. I think a lot hinges on the fitness of Thiago and Fabinho for Liverpool. I think if they're without them two, they'll lose the midfield battle comfortably, if I'm being honest. But it's tough because I think Real Madrid and so many times in this Champions League campaign should have been knocked out. Yeah, but they, they haven't. Was, I know best. they haven't, but they it's were second best, against they they were second best against you know Chelsea as well. But it's, it's, it's that toss-up between... Liverpool, absolute juggernaut, are the better side, probably should win, will be the favourites of the bookies in Real Madrid, the you know, the team who have refused to lie down, refused to be beaten. So I'm gonna go extra time. Uh you've gone Real Madrid, so I'll go Liverpool. Okay, uh, I'm gonna yeah. go three two extra time. And Sadio Mane, parting gift, getting the winner for Liverpool. Ah, uh, that would be yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's brilliant for me. Uh, you know, you've you'll have Liverpool fans all over the country terrified. You have Real Madrid's all over the country. Ready to boo. <laughs> all of all the blue side of Merseyside. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. the Real Madrid there's scarves a fantastic, on. <laughs> there's a fantastic advertisement. Peter Reed and all of the um, ex uh, Everton players. Peter, I think it was Peter Reed, uh, and he's played a character, and he says, "I've been a, Sp- a Real Madrid fan since I was four. <laughs> it's very, very good, very amusing. Uh, but it's a beautiful game for me because I don't kind of mind who wins. I'd love to be there. We have two representatives out there, don't we? Actually, we have one that's going to the game. Well, one's yeah. going in the uh, in the home end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have one. Yeah, fair we enough. We have one going to the game. Uh, <laughs> keep an eye on Brad's uh, 
Twitter and all sorts. We're going to have lots of coverage from the Champions League final. And then me and Johnny are already plotting that Europa League final. In yeah, I'd, I'd love it, you know. And, and, and we don't we don't follow, well, I mean, I'm a global football, well, Harry's a global football fan really as well, obviously talks on this, and that's why you think about that. But traditionally, not really been to many European nights. Only the one at Old Trafford. Been to one at Old Trafford on yeah. behalf of Bradley. Um, did a few when I was 12 watching Newcastle play against Anzi Mashish Carla. I remember them. Samuel Eto'o up top with uh, Roberto Carlos playing left back and he's up 38. Tell you what, that opposition though, imagine if you were playing Scrabble. That'd be a winning winning. <laughs> would, it's it? so many points. Yeah, you have a discussion about Tottenham, I'm just thinking here. Yeah. Um, £150 million pound budget yeah. apparently for the summer. Yeah. Antonio Conte is being backed. Yeah. You love the man. Tell us. Could they genuinely challenge for the title next season? I was saying this, uh, yeah. Um, really happy, you know. Tottenham's, a, yeah, you, we often joke Tottenham's my second team. Um, <laughs> I do, I do, I do like Spurs as a team. I think they're often, the, they're almost, the, I've, I've called them the Borussia Dortmund of, of England, almost in the, the sense that they, particularly under Pochettino, where they built so much promise and they just couldn't quite get it over the line, probably due to underinvestment. Feels like Daniel Levy's not going to make that mistake twice. 150 million, like you say. They were legally required to tweet that and to send that message out as well, supposedly. So that's why it was announced. It wasn't like a, my is bigger than yours. Uh, I did I did deliberately leave a word out there. Um, but it's it, it is it, it's a real statement of intent. Conte is now staying. He's going to be staying for the next for the season coming up. And supposedly Harry, uh, as I was reading earlier today, Ivan Perisic is is, a, is going to sign supposedly for for it's a good top. signing for them if I they mean, can get it over the back. line. He was linked with Chelsea as well, and of course Inter have still got a possibility of negotiating a contract with him. But whoever gets him, I, I believe he was one of the considered one of Inter's best players this year. I think he actually won Inter Player of the Year. And at 34, that's some achievement to be doing that. Plays either on the either side, either wing back. He's two-footed, um, very very big man, very technically strong, um, and and very hardworking. He's a he was a Conte favourite when Conte was at Inter Milan. I think it's a if they get that over the line, that's a brilliant signing. Even at, he's at the age the age that he's at, he offers so much uh, in those wing back spots. Now, I think by all accounts they want a left centre back, two wing backs because I and I would agree they need two wing backs because Conte's system requires a lot on wing backs. Um, he wants a central midfield partner for Hoiberg, another one, or maybe Bentancur because Bentancur has done well. But I, essentially, he just wants a central midfielder. In my mind, Hoiberg would probably be playing alongside him, but Bentancur has done well too. And I think he wants a creative midfielder and, and a backup for Kane. So there's quite a bit to, to be done. Fraser Force is going to sign on a free as well. Uh, and Bas- 150 million as well doesn't take you that far. <laughs> no, <laughs> but but what I would say is that Perisic is a free. Eriksen yeah. could be that creative player on a free. Mm-hmm. Belotti's out of contract and has been linked with Spurs. He's also free. Bastoni that- would probably be about 40, 50 million, I imagine. I mean, I- if they if they got that right and partnered him with Romero. And Dyer as a three. And Dyer as well. He's had a yeah. great season. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, supposedly you'd be looking at up to 60 million for Bastoni. This is a guy in Italy. Chiellini is almost well. He's dubbed him the heir of Chiellini when in the Italian national team. He's an outstanding footballer. Uh, done really well for Inter Milan. Uh, Inter Milan are now uh, part of the reason why Conte left is they are they are forced to sell some of their best players. Uh, last season it was the Kaku. This season is supposedly supposedly reportedly either Milan Skriniar or Bastoni and. If it's Bastoni, there will be a, a lot of unhappy fans because they see him as their future superstar at the back. If Conte gets Bastoni, he'll be delighted. He will be absolutely delighted. And like you say, that would be their biggest signing, I think, of the summer in terms of money. Because I think other places, you know, back up to Kane, you probably don't want to spend money. If they could get Bellotti, that would be a great signing. You know, Conte's an admirer. Wants him at Chelsea, I think. Get Perisic on a free. Outstanding signing, if possible. Um, Forster's obviously free back up uh, to Larice now. Uh, it looks like that will be done. I also look Yuri Tielemans as well. You know, yeah, he has one um, shoehorn for Arsenal's Tielemans, about 25 millions. The, the mooted fig. He's out contract, I think, next summer, isn't it? So. Correct. But supposedly Tielemans wanted to go to Arsenal when he thought they were in the Champions League because he wants to play yeah. in the Champions League. I think Tielemans in a 3 4 3 would be great for Conte. Yeah. Uh, I really think Conte could get something out of yeah. it. And yeah, to answer your question, Harry, yeah, I put them now 
with that, with Conte at the helm, with the possibility of 150 million pound being spent, uh, getting a few clever frees in, they could be the biggest challenges for Liverpool. Well, I think they will. Yeah, be. I mean, 25 points is a is a big jump. I don't think they'll get that, but I think if they can get themselves into that no man's land position between, you know, get themselves a solid third. I yeah. mean, Chelsea are going to come back stronger this year as well. I mean, yeah. a rumoured spend of £200 million pounds for yeah. their new owners. So yeah. they aren't going to sit on the fence, really. So no. I think the spending is going to be huge. But the, the team I do worry for is Arsenal yeah. not getting Champions League. I think they would have signed Darwin Nunez by now and they would have had their number nine if they got top four. Right. It's bold, isn't it? It's bold. I, I, think, I, I think so. I think Nunez was holding out for Champions League. But I think he would have went there over Manchester United. <laughs> to go to Arsenal if they were top four. Obviously, Spurs aren't looking for a striker. So I think if he's going to go to Man United or Arsenal, regardless of the state Man United are in, he's, he's going to go there. Yeah, look, I think... I mean, we'll go to Chelsea. I mean, Tuchel's done a wonderful job considering just to keep calm, keep everything sort of together with everything, all the distractions and, and whatnot. I think the big, the big problem with Chelsea really is I look back at that squad and you've got players signed by Conte, players signed by Sarri, players signed by Lampard... And players signed by the Chelsea board, who you know, who they just wanted to bring through, uh, regardless of who was in charge. So you've got a mishmash of players that aren't really Thomas Tuchel's ideal players, and he sort of made it work in in his system. Um, and that that obviously got the Champions League, and that was brilliant in that season. This season, I think, I just I, I just think, I mean, I've seen so many times Tuchel's coached a really good win, like against Real Madrid, and they haven't done it. There's many times they've coached a really good win, but they've not been able to finish the chances off or they've made mistakes that have undermined, not undermined the coach, but yeah, undermined what the coach has set out. Not in a bad way, not intentionally, but they've done it. Um, it's a huge job at Chelsea. I, I, I you know, we talk about 200 million uh, to rebuild. That, it's a huge rebuilding job. It's a huge rebuilding job. They, that's why I think Tottenham, Tottenham are going in a direction where you think they will be challenging at the top. Chelsea yeah, should be. Because they've got that front three. They've got that's on yeah. lock with Son, Kulazewski and Kane, where Chelsea spent £100 million on the yeah. cart game. Yeah. done yeah. nothing. Yeah, pretty much. That's the thing. There are so many issues at Chelsea. Like At Tottenham, you've got quite a solidish squad now because of what Conte has done, by the way, and, and made them into a solidish squad. He's improved so many players. But if he spends £150 million on top of that, he's got a squad that he sort of has in his mould and he's bringing his, the players he wants. They will be, I think they'll be pushing past Chelsea because I think Chelsea, there's so many gaps now and they're starting to appear. Like we said, they've got a front three that struggle to score goals generally. Um, they've got a midfield with the 3 4 3. An aging midfield, Kante can't play all the games anymore. And when he does, he looks, he'll get injured quite a lot and sometimes he doesn't look quite as effective as he used to. So they have a, 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 and you can't really pick two now. Yeah, they've I mean, they've, lost, with I mean they've just lost Rudiger and Christensen as well to. to and Dad's Pelly quite as likely to go. Yeah, Alonso and I think even Alonso, go. yeah, is another yeah. player. So big job. That's big, big, big job. I don't think. The thing is, it's, it's interesting because they're in no better hands than Tuchel, who I who I would have his top three coach in the world. I'd have him ahead of Conte. I think I do believe. I just think there's a bit more calmness with Tuchel generally. I, I like Conte more. If you were to, like I told you, who's my favourite coach? I love everything he stands for. I love his enthusiasm on the touchline. But if I'm saying who's a better coach, I'm pushing for Tuchel a little bit because, of course, Tuchel's... Tuchel's oh, that's that, a, not a call. No, it, I think that those two are like Guardiola and Klopp. I think Guardiola and Klopp, you're like, eh, I'll flip a coin and, and then whichever way it lands, yeah. they're the better manager. I think Conte and Tuchel are, I'll flip a coin and whichever way it lands, yeah. you know, it, it's going to be that. Um I think I think Con- Tuchel's been more impressive in Europe as well. That's worth mentioning. He got PSG to the Champions League final. He got, um, you know, he won the Champions League with Chelsea. Um, Conte's more about doing well in, in in domestic situations. You know, with leagues. Inter got the league. Chelsea got league. Juventus. He got all those leagues. I almost when they play the Champions League, that's a bit of a flaw. He can never really seem to get the team to the heights that the, that you've seen with it domestically. I think actually as well, tactically, in-game management Tuchel's is better. I think he's he's a little bit more on it. He can change things. He's not afraid to ditch the back three. He'll go to a back four if he wants. He's not afraid to change, make little nuances on the pitch. I feel like Conte's tactics are very, very, very good. The thing is with Conte and like the Champions League talk there, yeah. it's like, has yeah. he ever been at a club long enough to actually even <laughs> yeah. mount a Champions League challenge? Well, no, Juventus, <laughs> he was there, wasn't he, for a good three... He, he was there for three seasons, wasn't he, I think? And that, and, and uh, I think it, well, he got definitely got three titles in a row. He really he really kicked that back. He might have been there for four, I can't remember, but three ti- uh, Juventus titles. 
Um, and even there he struggled, and that was a really good Juventus team, and he struggled to really get them to kick on. Some say, actually, is because that he sets out a really good game plan each weekend, and when the Champions League comes, it kind of fragments that a bit, and, he, and, he, and it sort of takes his mind off it a little bit. Tuchel seems to manage it a bit better, I think, the, 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 the number of games and whatnot, and it, of course his record in Europe is better, certainly in recent times. But yeah, I, I think they're in really good hands with Tuchel. And under, it's interesting because under Abramovich, someone said, I think he'd have sacked Tuchel at the end of this year. And he might have done because that's what Who Abramovich did get, does. did get though? That's the thing. That's no, but that's what Abramovich does. He sacked Conte. Yeah. He sacked Ancelotti. He sacked Mourinho. He sacked, he, sacked, he sacked Sarri, didn't he? Or he let Sarri leave after he won the Europa League and got, and got top four. So yeah. he's, he's, he's brutal. And he could have gone. He could have been sacked because ultimately it was an underwhelming season for Chelsea in the end. There were a lot of reasons why. I don't think it was on Tuchel. Yeah. But it was. Um, and also the fallout with Lukaku, Abramovich probably in times gone by would have backed Lukaku and sacked Tuchel because he put up £97 million yeah. pounds towards it, hasn't he? But under the new under the new ownership at Chelsea, I, I'd like to think there's a bit more loyalty towards the manager. Yeah. Even if they finish fourth next year, which I think they might do right now. I think, they, I think the top four is like nailed, isn't it? I mean, obviously lots can happen in football, but like, you know, you Chelsea, think Liber- Man City, Liverpool either way and then Chelsea yeah. and Spurs. But I mean, like, you've got to consider as well, where on earth does Eric Ten Hag start with Man United? It's yeah. a massive yeah. job. And his yeah. task next season will be get that side back in the Champions League. But if anything, it's going to be harder than ever before yeah. to get in the top four. Well, yeah, R- R- Ralph Ranić. Um, Your best mate, Ralph yeah, Ranić. <laughs> no, but I, fe- I feel for him. I, f- I feel like it was the hardest job to take on in the Premier League. Oh, I yeah, believe absolutely. that. A million percent. Imagine being told, right, you're going to take over at the biggest club in England in terms of, you know, well, it is, isn't it? They are the biggest club. They are the biggest club in England. Yeah. Imagine you're taking over the biggest club in England. You've got a six-month contract uh, that's not going to be extended, probably, unless you do a miracle. Um, you're not going to bring any of your own players in. You're going to... We're not going to... Um, you know, you're not you're not going to flounce anyone out because you you don't have the authority to do that. Um, we want you to develop your style with the players you've got there, um, you know, and, and get us into the top four, even though the team's like in a car crashing under Solskjaer at the end. Good luck. So, first of all, the six month thing, you've got no authority. So if the players don't like you after two weeks, well, it doesn't matter because you're going in six months. And that seems to be what happened with quite a few players. Could press. Lots of people were unsuited to a high-pressing style. So Rangit's coming in. I think Rangit basically said I had to ditch my philosophy after a couple of weeks. They've sort of suggested, haven't they? Because a lot of players couldn't do it. He even said Ronaldo, uh, he says he's not a pressing monster. So he says, I, and he was leading the line, so I can't. Everyone's having a go at him, but he's only telling the truth. He's not a pressing monster. So he has no. to, he can't play the way he wants. I mean, he might, you know, he wanted Nkuku, didn't he, in January? And he said no. And if he'd have had Nkuku leading the line... Then you've got a press from the front, and that encourages the other press. Because again, if you, to be fair, you know the players behind the midfielders, not saying they would have done, but if the person at the front can't properly press, it's pointless them pressing because it's just a, a disorganised press is easy to play against, isn't it? You just knock it over and and, and bam, you you through. It's easy to play against. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an absolute mess. I mean, Rizzarani done well, no, not at all. I think if someone would say, well, if Conte had come in, would he have got them top four? Probably, probably could have done. I th- I, it, but it's a hard one, isn't it? Because by all accounts, Ronaldo didn't want Conte because Conte would have challenged Ronaldo's ego, no doubt. Because Conte has a big ego, doesn't he? I Conte, don't think he would have got top four with. with you that. don't I mean, think? I don't know. I don't know. I think I like think, off, no. To be honest, I think six Conte's was their limit, football though. Right, so Ranić's football is a bit like Klopp's, isn't it? With a high pressed intensity, a little bit. I mean, that's what Klopp's found. Klopp's uh, football's founded on. But if, um, sorry, if. But I, th- I think Conte's football is slightly easier to 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 play towards or to 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 mould yourself into, because and you see that because a lot of players Conte has aren't quite to the level of the, the Klops and the, and the Guardiola's in terms of the players they have. They're a little bit beneath, but he gets them playing out of the skin, and you think, how does he do it? And I think it's a little bit more beneficial. It's not quite as hardcore for those. I think he could have got fourth for United. I do. I think there's a lot of players there who he could have got into his system. They wouldn't have played a high press because it's not suited to him anyway, but they didn't like a mid-press, which is what I've seen it described as. And they just sort of hit them on counter-attacks and Ronaldo. I think they could have got fourth. But it was. But then again, if, if, if that's interesting. I'm saying that with context. I think he's very effective at coming in and doing doing a job with his style of play. Awful dressing room, though, Johnny. Yeah, it's, it's, that's it's what I mean. Not, it doesn't seem like they can work with anyone, really. Well, no, if the, the fact only... that he walked in on a six-month contract, Ranić, it was yeah. he was done before he even walked in. I agree. I think if Guardiola had gone, I don't think he got fourth. I think if Klopp had gone, they wouldn't have got fourth. 
No. I'm saying with Conte, I, I feel like he just... I mean, Chelsea dressing room was pretty abhorrent when he took over, wasn't it, by all accounts? And look what he did. So I think yeah. he, he does he does magical things. Maybe I'm being biased. But 99% of people that come into that job would not do better than Ranieri. And I put Guardiola in that, and I put Klopp in that, because they would demand what they demand at City and Liverpool. And with that, that would not be demanded. The United players would say no. So, yeah. Do you think I, Eric Ten Hag is better going all in to win the Europa League next season? as opposed to mounting a challenge for the top four? That's a good question, yeah. Um, well, the fans won't accept that, will they? Because one slip and you're out of the Europa League, and if you do that and then you finish 12th, <laughs> you yeah. obviously won't finish 12th, will they? I think it's really interesting how Ten Hag goes, because he's saying, oh, I want to keep Ronaldo. He's not going to say, I'm not going to keep Ronaldo, is he? Because, no. you know, Ronaldo... He's already replaced Harry Maguire as captain, like, hasn't he? Do you not see the press conference where they asked if he'd be... Um... Like, would Harry Maguire remain as captain? He said, oh, he's been a great leader. So it's all past tense that oh, you're definitely getting rid of him. But if you're going to release Harry Maguire of the captains, he's going to give it to Ronaldo. You, yeah. you can't give it to anyone else, really. So well, Yeah, I, I, listen, at Man United, you can't say you want Ronaldo out because at the end of the day, until, the, the like Jose Mourinho said, second was my best achievement in football in that season. That tarnished his reputation as a manager. And you look back now and he was spot on. History's teaching is that Jose Mourinho is maybe not as finished as we thought, I think. Um, Especially after his heroics with Roma. Yeah, yeah. Winning the Europa Conference League. Obviously, at Tottenham, he was not really given much money to spend. It was a tough situation, really, um, for him. And, of course, he was what he was a few days away from a cup final, which, you know, what Mourinho's like in cup finals. Probably would have won that, to be fair. Might have done. Might have done. Um, so yeah, history's sort of shining good on Mourinho. I don't think he's necessarily an elite manager now, but maybe he's a top ten. Maybe he is. I, maybe he's still there, and good. And hopefully he is, because he's a great character for the game. I think there's still flaws to his management, but I, oh. I, I think yeah. But maybe not quite as washed up as, as some of us a thought. Um, but you know, with Ted Hag, yeah, I think with Ronaldo, it, it, it it's like he. Listen, if Ronaldo wants to go, he'll go. If Ronaldo wants to stay, he'll stay. And the Glazers want him to stay because he's, you know, his merchandise machine, isn't he? Like, well, they yeah. want him to stay, yeah. He's got one more year left. And to be honest, they probably said, they might have even said to Ted Hag, look, you can get this player, this player, this player. Uh, Ronaldo's in attack. Uh, we might not be able to get the strike you want this summer. We're not in, you know. So you probably keep Ronaldo then, don't you? It's really interesting. That Ronaldo and De Gea, Harry, they're probably United's two best players this season. But neither suited to a high-pressing team. No. So, but but then there's more there's more fires to put out, is there across the rest of the team? Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where it's like, why would you replace Ronaldo when he's your player of the season? He won Player of the Month, I think, nearly half of the times during you know, that season. Yeah, and the, like you said, there there is just there's players that need replacing more than Cristiano Ronaldo, and he's a pretty good burden to have as a, as a footballer to have Ronaldo, regardless of his age. He's still a, he's still a great player. If you get the ball to him, you'll, you'll put it in the net. So I, I st- my worry with Man United is it's unlike Liverpool. They're the polar opposite of they've got money to spend, but they don't spend it well. And that yeah. will not change until there is proper football people running that club behind the scenes, as opposed to signing players for pure PR reasons. Yeah. What about De Gea as well? He's, he's another one that falls in the same category as Ronaldo, whereas like, they've got bigger issues. And it seems that they're, they're keen to let Dean Henderson come to Newcastle, which I'm surprised at because I think yeah. he probably, you know, he's, he's definitely a one for the future for them. And, He's a one that kind of suits that pressing system a lot better. Character focus, I think. A character issue, isn't it, with Henderson? Uh, which is why they're not too bothered about that. But yeah, I think he's got a momentous job. I mean, Ten Hag, I think, will finish... Fifth. Or sixth. Depends on that. We, we talk about Arsenal and we talk about, you know, where... I mean, I, I had them down to finish seventh this year. I have, to be fair, I had fifth. It's one of my better predictions. Yeah, but that was only because they had no European football. They've got yeah, to yeah, contend yeah. with next season, so I don't think they'll finish fifth. I think they'll be looking for. I think they'll be around the same, probably seventh, maybe next season for them. It's hard. To, it's hard to say at this point because I mean the transfer window hasn't even opened, and bar Aston Villa, yeah. no one signed anyone, so it's hard yeah. to say. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I, mm, it's inter- Yeah, it's it's a hard one. I think with Arsenal, yeah. I, they had a really good summer window last year on the quiet. They signed a lot of younger players. Ramsdale impressed, I think, it had a bit of a sluggish yeah. end of the season, but did miles better than 90% of people said, and you can see why they bought him. Tommy Aston, really good signing. Ben White, solid as well, good signing. Uh, Erdegaard for £25 million. Erdegaard, really, really good business. business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Enketi is supposedly going to sign a new contract now. He's Makes come on, sense, end strong. Have him as a He's come on really strong. 
Uh, and he's, he's done well at the end of this season. He's done really well. Um, I think if they have a summer window like that, you know, they could be, again, the team that is, if anyone, look, suppose Chelsea, I think Chelsea will be fine, but suppose Chelsea do make a bit of a botch up of this big rebuild job because it's a big one. Because the thing is, they've got, I mean, Rudiger, replacement for him, that's going to set you back 60 million. Probably be million. Koundé, won't it? Probably. Yeah, but he's gonna, it's going to cost them 60 million. So how yeah. far does that 200 million stretch? They still they, need a striker. Yeah. A striker of Chelsea's like stature. Unless they can find oh, a way to keep get Lukaku back on side. And he has been playing a lot at the end of the season. So you just got to wait and see. I think the only way that would happen is if there was a new manager to come in. And there's no point in getting rid of Tuchel. But you yeah. never know. I mean, Lukaku, is a, he's one of the top strikers in the world on his day. And if anyone can do it, Tim, we all know how great he is. But he's got the maybe tweak the system and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah. I just want to discuss the teams that might challenge the status quo next season in the top six. I, I do think with, you know, the the budget that these sides have got, the yeah. big six, they are trying to pull away in a way. But there's a yeah. few clubs that are definitely trying to bridge that gap. And Aston Villa, who we've mentioned yeah. a few times, 14th, not a good season. A lot of question marks around and maybe even Gerard, to be honest. But yeah. two great signings to kick off their season. They're moving quick. Diego Carlos and Bubakar Kamara. Give me your thoughts. If they can build on that and get a few more in this season, are they the team that could knock on the door that top six? Possibly, yeah. But there's also a case of much over much of muchness, isn't there? I mean, last season we saw Grealish go and they did like what Tottenham did when they sold Gareth Bale and they brought lots of players in a scattergun-like approach. And you almost you so you could see. I think Dean Smith was trying to go back five, but then when he went to back five to put Ings and Watkins in. You know, Leon Bailey wasn't playing, and they weren't getting all the other all the wingy, the wide players playing. Um, when Gerrard's done that, of course, he's he's playing with the front two. Then when he goes to a back four, he's not playing with the front two, and Ings is on the bench or someone's on the bench. I mean, they're going for Suarez supposedly. He's lined up as well as a free transfer Gerrard connection as well. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I look at it and I see so many really good players that they with so much of this. They're spending a lot of money, but I'm just thinking where. Is there a coherent plan and a coherent strategy? You could never I say that. There's a lot of already comparisons being made to Everton and their spending. Because, I mean, Kamara's apparently on 175 grand a week, which is obscene. I mean, obviously, he looks like he's going to be a great player. Yeah. But 175 grand a week, if that doesn't go well, then they're in a lot of bother FFP-wise. And we've seen Everton now in the position they're in, you know, completely hamstrung by spending. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, to be fair, though, I mean, with Everton signings, I looked at them and thought, hmm... That's an odd one. But most of the, yeah, yeah, but most of the ones I'm looking with Villa, I think, yeah, that's quite a set. That's a good one. Let Luca Dean, good signing. Callum Chambers on the cheap, good signing. Uh, Buendia at last summer, good signing. Coutinho, amazing signing. It is, yeah. I mean, it is considering they managed to get his wages beneath the two hundred thousand threshold. Mm-hmm. You know, because I thought they were going to really smash the budget. I mean, he was on four hundred thousand at Barcelona, wasn't he? So yeah. to cut that down so significantly was good. I wouldn't have taken him on his full salary, mind. I wouldn't have risked that. But yeah, I suppose with that in mind, yeah, it, not not a bad signing as well. Um, you know, and Mar- Martinez came in a couple of seasons ago, didn't he? Read that. I mean, that was an inspired bit of business. So most of the players they brought in and are linked with, I would say, are good. I just think that it's almost like. You know, the kid at the candy shop. Oh, I'll have that one, mummy. I'll have that one, I'll have that one, I'll have that one, I'll have that one. And, you know, and then he's and then he's got a sugar rush and, and you, you want more, you want more. And I just think there's so many, you could make two teams almost if they keep going at this rate out of Aston Villa. And then Gerrard's got to build a system and an idea around that. And I, I don't know, last season, we saw in games where they were brilliant. We saw in games where they were terrible. There wasn't I mean, 14's really... a massive failure for them. They should comfortably have finished inside the top 10. I think even, to be fair, they should have been finished in seventh when you look at West Ham, considering yeah. they had Europe to juggle with. Yeah. I would say, arguably, on paper, Villa have got just as good, if not a better side than, than West Ham as well. Yeah, I, I would say so. To, to be fair, what's going on at West Ham at the moment, we all sort of wrote them off last year a little bit and thought they yeah. wouldn't, and, and, because they wouldn't, they wouldn't handle off. Europe. And, uh, yeah. yeah. But they, recruit, they missed a trick last January not getting one or two players because they could have really pushed. They could have really pushed for fourth. Never mind. It's pretty much what happened when Newcastle got in Europe in 2012 with yeah. Ashley. Didn't want to put the money in. I think JSB are in the same situation where as long as they stay in the league every year and they're picking up that Premier League money, they're not concerned. And everything else is a bonus, really. So I think I don't want to say that West Ham are going to fall down the order again because they're going to keep a hold of Rice. Bowen's you know, been, had an unbelievable season. But I think they are probably going to drift out of Europe this season. But yeah. um, that'll be that'll be really really frustrating. They, for they need a striker because I think Antonio's did a really good job. I just don't think he's a 
He's a, I mean, he's when he was at Nottingham Forest, he was a right back. He's played right yeah. mid, played left mid, played in midfield. He can play virtually any any position on the pitch. And he got went into the strike position because David Moyes didn't have anyone else he wanted to, he could put in the strike position. He was convincing. They need to get someone now, I think, really, because Antonio's a great player to have, but he shouldn't be playing every single game up front for you because a he's not a natural striker. As good as he's done, he's not a natural striker. And, and come on, like it's been going on for quite a while. So yeah, they need to, they need to address that. But they got they got fantastic players aside from that as well. Thomas Socek, Pablo Fornals, uh, Saeed Ben Rama, uh, Lanzini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're letting Yarmolenko go. And now, while it's not been amazing, still a big name, and it shows you know what they have got some good depth because he would start for other Premier League teams quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Yarmolenko, yeah, he's a, he's a no, bit lazy. But he's a solid, he's a solid player certainly at top level. So yeah, big summer for them. If they can get one or two players, I still think they'll get top half. Hopefully, for yeah, them. I think I think they get top three. half irrespective of getting players. Yeah. In, to be honest, they're 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 a solid team. And push uh, on in the Europa Conference, maybe they can win that. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think that depends on just teams dropping out of the Europa League. To be yeah, fair, yeah. but Leicester had a great crack at it. I mean, look, I mean, eighth place finish for them. Yeah, not bad. They went all in on Conference League. I think even Brendan Rodgers might look back at that now and went. I wish I went full strength on a few of those games because they were only four points off the top seven in the end. Yeah, but maybe they could do with the season outside of Europe just to get like get get yeah. going again. Like everyone can do with that, can't they? Refresh the legs, refresh the mind. They need a bit of a turnover because I know a lot of Leicester people, Leicester fans, that, oh Rogers this, Rogers that. But like we were saying, who would you get that was better than Rogers? Probably yeah. a difficult one. But at the same time, there's always it always comes a time, doesn't there, when and I can so I can understand from a point of view when it does become a bit stale and you either have a choice, you either get rid of the manager and then there's a there's a there's a resurgence with someone with a bit of fresh ideas and it could have happened and Leicester could have pushed on and had a better season than they did this year. Or you have a, a, a big change in the squad and you get rid of some players and you bring in some ones and you have a big like revolution of sorts. A big summer. They need a big summer. They really do. Because there's a there's a lot of that Leicester team that's been around for quite a while. Yeah, I mean like like Savardi, they've got to get they've got a nail replacement yeah. for him. Tielemans, they're gonna to have to replace him, it seems. Yeah. Even the centre half issues as well. I mean, Evans is getting on a bit, so yeah, you far from convincing looks like he's going to wait and even Kasper Schmeichel in goal yeah. another player they're going to have to replace I so. feel like they've got some already in house I think um, I think Ward replaced a Schmeichel Ward's as a starter yeah I've really been impressed with him he had a really good Euros and everyone at Le- I know quite a few people at Leicester have been saying we could have actually started him this this season yeah. because Michael's had some iffy games, so mm-hmm. I don't. I, I think there could be a ready made replacement there. And Dewsbury Hall, I think he's been yeah. phenomenal um, this yeah. season for them. So he's another one that could jump in. Pats and Dak are up top as well. You know. Yeah, I mean, look, they've got plenty of options. I still think there'll be another one that'll get top half. But if they want to yeah. get Europe, which yeah. would be the aim, I imagine, for Brendan Rodgers, yeah. they nail they nail the recruitment. But it's something they're usually pretty good at, and uh, yeah. Get, I don't have to say that. <laughs> breath there. Um, yeah. James Madison. Yeah. Uh, what a great end of the season. Completely gone under the radar. Um, surprised he wasn't called up for the England squad? Because I, I certainly it's, was. I, I, I'm pretty convinced that's an attitude issue. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that Madison's a... I always think when I see Madison, he's interviewed, he's a breath of fresh air. He's quite... He's a yeah, confident... he's one of the better ones, isn't he? Yeah. But I think... I think Gareth Southgate thinks that he could be a bad influence on the squad. And I think he's made that. I remember when um, England had the 2018 World Cup squad and he didn't pick John Joe Shelby and he didn't pick Jack Wilshire, did he? I think. Yeah. And, and he, they were said around those reasons as well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And it was, and I think both were, and you can see with Wilshire and Shelby, to be fair as well, they both are kind that would potentially be a bit of an issue or maybe cause, maybe, maybe, maybe cause a bit of mischief. I think Southgate was a squad of good boys. And Grealish yeah. apparently, but <laughs> but I think you can have one, can't you? And I think Grealish is the one. I think if you put, can you imagine Madison and Grealish in the English one? You can imagine them getting up to no good because they're really good mates off the field. And you can yeah. imagine them corrupting a few others. I can see it a million. You can see it a mile off, can't you? Yeah, he's, he's not daft Southgate. I think like a lot of people don't realise in terms of England squads. Like yeah. a yeah. lot of the time, he's not actually picking players of current form. And I know a lot of people get annoyed by that, yeah. but yeah. he's got a squad to think of. Like so Connor Cody getting called up. Trippier getting a recall up for this latest England squad. Yeah. These are senior leaders. These are the sort of yeah. lads you want in the dressing room. So I think there's a there's a lot of it um, got on that. But I think Madison did deserve it, at least a call yeah. for this squad. Not yeah. the pick for the World Cup, maybe, yeah. but yeah. just in terms of his recent form, bring yeah. him back into the team and give him that lease of life heading into the new season. I think. And as, as well, people talk about Southgate. They say, oh, why is he picking players based on what they've done for England in the past? Well, it's only natural, lad, isn't it? That people Jordan Pickford, well- really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah but... 
exactly natural, isn't it? That you would pick players that have not let, not let England down before because they, they've not let England down before. No. So, I mean, you would. And then it, it's a bit like the argument. I, Bowen deserves a call-up, doesn't he? But, and he has been called up. But I don't think he'll make the final squad. I don't think he should. Because I know it sounds really silly because right. we always say they always pick players from big teams. But I think I would because ultimately they're the ones who have the hard, the most mm. pressure games. They're the no, ones. but if it's like Marcus Rashford or Bowen, I'm taking Bowen 10 oh, times Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but Harry, if you pick a 23-man squad now, it won't come to, you won't have Rashford or Bowen in it. I guarantee it. I might take Bowen. That's only because I absolutely love him. I've always said to him that um, Bowen's a better player than Saka and he, he says the otherwise but um, yeah I don't know what you think on that one I think Bowen's better uh, oh. it's a tough one really because I think Saka's a great player but I just I yeah I, th- I think I'd go Saka I think yeah it's a toss up though really isn't it yeah Bowen's done well seasons. I mean Saka's got age on his side but he's in a better team yeah yeah, no, it's tough on that, Harry. Yeah, good, good question. I'd probably go Saka just because it's Arsenal. And I know that's yeah. a cop-out. But the reason why I say that you pick a player for a big team, I'm not on about Rashford. I'm on about, like, say, Sterling, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or Grealish. You would, you'd go Grealish because he's played enough games for the big team. I'm not on about Rashford. Yeah. Not in a game for United. I'm talking yeah. about generally at the top end. And also, United have been rubbish this year anyway, haven't they? Yeah. Can but, I talk about Newcastle? You can, go on. Yes. Um... What do you think about the incoming summer transfer window? Because, I mean, it's a, it's a big one for Newcastle. I think a lot of people outside of the, the bubble we have up here yeah. is that we were all, I think everyone was expecting a full-on Aston Villa sort of assault, buying players for 50, 60 million quid, paying them 200 grand a week. And it's far from that, it seems. They, they've got a pretty tight... It's week. only been a week, Harry, hasn't it? Come on. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> no, they got, when they got back to Saudi... Like, I mean, they probably would have got Bubakar Kamara if they tried to yeah. get him, but Villa were willing to pay the big money. Same with yeah. Diego Carlos as well. Yeah. Kieran Trippier is the highest earner at the club, yeah. and it seems that everybody's got to kind of fall under that. Really, it, yeah. it's a big, it's a big one for them this year. I mean, I think a lot of Newcastle fans will be happy with a top ten finish and a good mm. cup run. Yeah. But for me, in terms of first of all, I mean, finishing I think third in the second half of the season in yeah. terms of points, which is unbelievable for, yeah. for for the squad we've got at the minute. But if you bring in another five or six players in that yeah. team. A little bit more quality. I think minimum top eight should be the object, objective for Eddie Howe. I don't know what you think on that one, but I think there's a lot of people kind of go, oh, take it slow. But look, I don't actually think, bar the top sides, the league is that good. And those, you know, seventh, eighth spots are, are there for the taking. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what what I see with. Yeah, you've really, had a really good season, Newcastle. They've had a really good season. And, you know, I, I sort of. When I, when I see I see Bruno Guimaraes is like in a double pivot and I feel like it might make sense to get a more resound defensive midfielder next to him so he can go forward a bit more and go. Kamara probably would have. Been <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, well, yeah. Can't have him all though, can you? Can't have no, him. No. But yeah, someone who can sit next to Guimaraes so he can give him a bit more license to dictate and go forward and stuff. Um, I think probably someone right midfield as good as Ryan Fraser's been under how I think you want you want an upgrade. Sounds like Musa Diaby could be the. Um... Could be the one for that. Yeah, yeah. But it's another yeah. player from the Bundesliga, and it's not one yeah. that like we've seen. You know, we've all seen with Joel Linton and even Leon Bailey this season. I think everybody thought he was going to come and set the world alight for Villa, and he didn't do that. So no, but he hasn't had many opportunities to do no. that. He's yeah. been he's had a lot of injuries as well. I think I think Leon Bailey's is probably one for next season. I do think yeah. he'll have a, a much better year. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I, I think I think the the way you improve Newcastle generally. Is is in those? I mean, you, you talk about Sven Botman as well from Lille. Uh, re- really uh, solid opportunities to bring him in. It'd be interesting if Burn plays with him because Burn's left-footed as well, isn't he? And Dan I Burn's think Burn would probably drop to the bench. To yeah, be honest, yeah. I think yeah. to so be honest, Shah, I think, would it be Shaw at Shaw and? Um... I, I think I think it's, I think they'll get another centre half. I think the plan will probably have Shaw. <laughs> Sorry, and Burn. silly me, I forgot. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird, isn't it? Because I've been so used to Mike Ashley. It's like nah. <laughs> Shaw and Byrne, fantastic. Yeah. Nah, they'll be on the bench next season. Yeah. Manuel uh, Neuer in goal. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Henson, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's yeah, rumours yeah. of a £60 million budget that is being talked about yeah. strictly by the owners in Eddie House. And we've got a £60 to £80 million budget. It's going to be subsidised from player sales. And Musa Diaby and Sven Botman, if they were to sign them two yeah. next week, that's going to be just under £100 million on them oh. two alone. Well, I'd imagine those leaks are generally designed to lower the fees that, that people expect from them. Obviously, um, I, to be honest, I don't think there's much in terms of in terms of issues with the squad. Dubravka's a solid goalkeeper. I think the only reason we're saying get a goalkeeper is because they can't. 
Yeah, I think he's one of those though, Dubravka. He does have them games where he makes mistakes, mm. and, I, and he, he does. doesn't suit the house system though. He's not very yeah. good with his feet. You, yeah, you, you want someone who can play at the back. I mean, neither is Darlow, is he? Darlow's no. not really good with his feet either. But but yeah, I, I get I get that feeling. Um, yeah. All I'm saying is, if, if if there wasn't an unlimited budget, which there probably is, I would say that yeah, goalkeeper wouldn't be the priority yet because I think you know there's other places. But of course, yeah, if you've got a, if you've got an unlimited war chest, Dean Henderson would make sense. I said Pickford would, but obviously the Mackin connection. Would yes, absolutely. You know, <laughs> He'd just be letting in own goals. That's what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but other, but if it wasn't for that, it would have made sense. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then obviously you look maybe striker for you know what would be interesting. Danny Ings might be an interesting striker option. He's another if, one that's injury prone though, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as bad recently. No, but same with Wilson. I mean, if Wilson was fit every week, we'd have a 20 goal a season striker. Is that good? Yeah. But yeah. I think they kind of just need, I don't know, it's an interesting one how they play it because they can either go all out and get like a Darwin Nunez if possible or a Calvert Lewin <laughs> who's going to, you know, be 40, 50 Calvert million pounds. Calvert Lewin wouldn't be a bad shout out, but he's, he's also be... injury prone. <laughs> <laughs> other than this season, I mean, other than that, he's had a pretty immaculate injury record. But it's a, a tough one because, like, Wilson, yes, he's fantastic, <laughs> but he'll only play half a season. Do you kind of go and get, like, a younger understudy, like a Hugo Ekatike that's been rumoured? or you maybe got someone... Wood, though. <laughs> Do you want him back? Uh, yeah, I did <laughs> yeah. say, yeah. Wood, Wood doesn't fit the system. It's either they go for, like, the young understudy to, like, back up Wilson or they go all out and get a, a number nine and him and Wilson. What about Lacazette? Yeah, the rule. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. He's not been that good for Arsenal this season. So if he's not cutting it for them, then what's he going to do for us? Anthony Martial? No, not after Sevilla. Yeah, Put yeah, him. but yeah, there's options out there though for Newcastle. I think yeah. no matter what happens, but, it's going to be. What about Isaac? Will be very, very good, but I think demands a lot of money. It sounds. Yeah, like. but look who's in charge. So. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a budget. Remember, sixty million. <laughs> yeah, budget's like. <laughs> Just like gone out of the window, hasn't it? Gone out the window. You know what? If Bruce had had that, he'd have got top ten. Top four. Top four. Bruce. Top four. <laughs> top four, yeah. As I said on Twitter. So what do you think will... in terms of predictions then for next season? I know it's, it's hypothetical at the minute. We don't know what January well not January. Summer well, business is well, gonna Newcastle. be done, but uh, you think top, top half is top half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I think eighth's a really good shout. I I don't I don't think it'll be quite I don't know why. Um, I don't think they'll get seven. I think the home form will be huge, though. I mean, we yeah, only lost to Man-, yeah. Man City, Liverpool were the only teams Newcastle lost to at home. That that back end since Howe came in. Yeah. So. If they can build up, if they can make the St James's a fortress, pretty much win every game at home, bar you know your, your top top sides, and win win against the teams around them away from home, they've got a fantastic chance. I feel like seven, Newcastle but... have to make top. But they have to make Europe in two seasons in terms of top. Seven. I, th- I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. so. But I think Eddie Howe will get as long as he wants. To be fair. As long as he doesn't start losing like seven, eight games in the spin. I know you don't think that, but or, I, or I, questioning I, the human rights uh, of the ownership. <laughs> won't be lasting long there, will he? Uh, no. <laughs> Should we talk about Burnley, Johnny? Come on, let's get it. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about I know it's non Premier League, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Um, 35 points, I think, in most seasons would have been enough yeah. to keep Burnley in the Premier League, yeah. but I just think it was. Uh, it's just one step too far for you, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but well, I think it's a lot of optimism, on, despite the rumours of loans being paid back and that sort of thing. There's yeah. there's a pretty good chance I think Burnley could could yeah. bounce straight back up with the team they've got. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think I think players will leave. Uh, Maxwell Corne is almost certain to leave. Um, James Tarkovsky will leave. He won't sign another contract. Um, Possibly Dwight McNeil will be sold, but this is Dwight McNeil who's got one assist all season, no goals. I think he'll stay, to be honest. I mean, we've Possibly. seen the likes of Ismail Assar stay in the championship. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who's gonna, like how Val much would Burnley Nichols command for? Yeah. How much would they command for McNeil, and who would actually pay that other than Everton? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've nailed it there. Impossible with Everton, yeah. Um, no, I, I think I think players will have to be sold for the loan. That's a, no doubt. I feel though that 